Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote-unquote wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company Morzap Productions and Management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Ed Steckley. I've been asked to do a number of these, and I don't always say yeah, because it kind of depends on the angle and where the host is, what their, what their, their motives, what their motivations are, I guess. But right. yours is fun. You know, I've, uh, uh, you've, you've had advertising people on there, children's book people. Right. It's, it's a whole vernacular for you. Yeah. It's all in my wheelhouse. That's absolutely right. Okay. And, and you're my first illustrator. Oh God. It's all downhill from here. Yeah. Well, I mean, wait, uphill, uphill from here. (laughs) Oh yeah. I have, I have uh, two big hard drives here full of every, pretty much every illustration job I've ever done. Because once in the mid to late 90s, when I got a scanner, I would, I, I took a Saturday and I scanned in everything that I had done before then that wasn't digital. So I have old magazine covers, uh, magazine interiors, spot illustrations. I have just about everything I've ever drawn for a client on a, a drive. And every now and then when I switch over to a new drive or I update or whatever, I always find the stuff I was doing in the very beginning. Uh, I've drawn more than my fair share of tractors, uh, lawnmowers, uh, signs for uh, a new restaurant. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's always a very humbling uh, experience because I look at it and I go, I remember doing some of these things. There were no humor involved, just technical drawings. I remember doing them and I, I remember at the time being in my early 20s going, Well, at least I'm drawing, you know? uh, This is nothing I'm gonna use in a portfolio. It's nothing I'm gonna show off, but it's at least I'm drawing. And that mentality has never left. I always think to myself, well, at least I get to draw pictures. I remember in the old days, uh, I think you'll be old enough to remember this, in TV Guide and Reader's Digest, they used to have this ad, if you can draw this parrot, I remember it well. <laughs> I remember those well. In fact, when I was in high school, I did that. Saw a little one of those things in the back of a comic book or, or something, a uh, little turtle or something, and I did it. I sent it in. I, I did a drawing that, frankly, was too good for what they were looking for, and I got my first rejection letter back from that. Because you were probably ahead of your time, right? What did you have? Right. Like a turtle with like uh, wings or something? Something really fantasy? No, I just uh, did as I just did a you know I just did the draw what you see. So I just did a copy of what it was, a different size, so they wouldn't think I copied it, and uh, that that I traced it. And, uh, but I am still on the mailing list for that school. It was like uh, the art instructors, whatever, in San Francisco or something. I'm still on their mailing list. I have moved numerous times since then, and they still find me. And I get their Christmas card, and I go, wow, I'm so glad I didn't do that. <laughs> 
I'm so glad they didn't take. I probably wouldn't have gone anyway because you know I'm sure it was some kind of scam. But uh, yeah, I did that. So for the audience that's listening and not seeing, because this show is put out as a podcast, but we also have uh, some great video clips to share, you are surrounded by a lot of art on the wall, a, yep. a busy little corner. Maybe you could describe for our listeners where you are and what you are being surrounded you, by. Things that I like to look at or things that make it feel comfortable. Uh, this is, I love doing this walkthrough. First of all, there's a computer that, that I'm looking at to my uh, 10 o'clock and there's notebooks and pads of paper and schmutz and mad magazines there. Um, this is my drawing board, which, which is right in front of me. It's a big classic drawing table that, that angles, but it's straight because I have, uh, uh, I have a second monitor in here. I have a Wacom Cintiq that I can draw on and keyboards and glasses. And when I'm actually doing traditional artwork for like a, for a, for a book, I then on my feet I have an angled drawing table that I actually place on top of this, so I can have an angled surface, and I can have paints and things over here to the side, or ink, or jugs of water, and all that. And I'm always surrounded by jars of pens, pencils, whatever. Uh, one I of two electric to, erasers. I have to match you and raise you. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, oh, okay. You got me. Yeah. Yeah. I like to, I don't mean to steal your thunder. Yeah, no, I figured <laughs> you would. But I did leave some of the decor for you in my oh, office yeah. so you could see my in inspirations. And I'll just turn this. Yeah. That's some puppets on the wall, books yep. that I've represented. So let's talk about book illustration. Sure. Because being a literary agent, I'm always interested in the process of a, an illustrator. And uh, I'd love to hear. So who contacts you to do the gig? Is it the publisher? Is it the author? Is it both? Well, my story is a little bit different than most. So I, but I've also learned that generally uh, from what I've heard, and this is not my experience, but if someone's looking to get into this, uh, they would get contacted by the publisher the publisher has a manuscript from an author and they need to match it with someone uh that it's not how it works for me but i believe that that's how the business normally works do you agree have you is that your I've experience had, that's been my traditional trajectory but i've also since working in the children's book world reached out directly to illustrators and okay. said love your work want to have you around so that i can pitch you to the publisher along with nice. this manuscript that makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, in my case, uh, the books that I uh, got got into, I, I'm, I'm friends with the author. And turns out I'm also, I was previously friends with the editor, uh, a guy named Charlie Kochman at uh, Abrams Publishing. Uh, it's a, in New York City, it's kind of a small world. A lot of us know each other. So uh, my author uh, is, Rube Goldberg's granddaughter, and it's a, I do a series of Rube Goldberg books. And if people don't know what Rube Goldberg is, just think of the mousetrap game, uh, goofy complex machines that perform a very simple task. Uh, Rube Goldberg was a Wasn't an actual Rube person. Wasn't Rube Goldberg also that that funny cube, the Rube Goldberg cube? Nope, that was Rubik. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. 
I'm a big crossword puzzle nerd, so I believe that that guy's first name was Enzo. Okay, good, you knew. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't find my keys anymore, but I remember Rubik's name. Yeah, that's how, that's how, that's how, that's how I'm wired. Uh, so uh, we, this author and I, Jennifer, we basically, she was already talking to publishers and they were looking for an illustrator. And even though they, I was friends with both of them, they didn't, I wasn't thought of as, you know, the artist. I, I was, I do a lot of uh, event planning for my local National Cartoonist Society uh, uh, organization here in New York. So I was the one that was at the, you know, uh, at the door signing people in, uh, taking money to pay for the, the event and all that. And uh, once I said, or I, I heard complaining, I just, I just can't find the right artist for this, for these books. This is the 19 or 2015. I said, me, I'm the guy for this. I'm perfect for this. And uh, I do believe I was. And they went, what? And they both kind of went, oh, oh, okay. So I went through a pitch. I had to, I had to go you know, do some drawings to create this new character, some of the worlds and all that. And I did what I, what I absolutely do not do outside of this is I did a lot of work on spec because I wanted to do, I wanted the job. I had to show them I could do it. And uh, for anybody who wants to be an illustrator, doing work on spec is a bad idea. It rarely works out in, in your favor, but this time I was sure about it. So uh, I did a bunch of drawings and I sent it in and everybody was on board except for the main publisher at Abrams because they wanted to get a big name for this and at the time well not, not i'm not a big name now but they wanted uh, you know they were looking at like eric carl types or a maury syndak type to do this you know before they both died and uh my editor you know god bless him he said uh, no if if ed's not doing this then i'm not doing this and my editor has a lot of clout he's the guy that edits the wimpy kid books and he's the one that made the wimpy kid phenomenon happen so when he talks they tend to listen doing the these books uh, uh since the first one came out in 2017 uh two of them got done during quarantine last year which was nice wow. i was uh are they yep. chapter books uh the new ones are chapter books the first chapter book was finished in uh, uh february it comes out in fall and there's two more after that so i, I i'm when i get around to it when i get uh when I feel like it, I start book two. There, it's already written. I just have to sit down and draw it. So that's going to take me about five minutes. So Wimpy Kid Middle Grade. Yes, it's a middle reader, which I had never heard that term before. You obviously yeah. didn't know that. I had yeah. to ask, what is middle reader? Yeah, because uh, I I was calling it mid, mid grade. I was calling them chapter books for the longest time. And well, they my are author. Yeah, it changes the, the category changes, and your audience does just you know, depending on the writing and how many, just for our listeners, how many grayscale versus color scale pictures, how much text is on the page. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so maybe you can <laughs> tell us what your, your Rube book is, how many, how many drawings you did and how much text. Well, the drawing, uh, first I finished, I finished the second picture book. Now this, I do the books I do, which are kids picture books. Those are big, you know, uh, books, each uh, two pages is, is one big painting. And it's a Rube Goldberg machine. But now Rube Goldberg is a character. He's a little, uh, he's six-year-old boy. 
who doesn't like doing his chores. So he creates funny, crazy inventions to help him to perform his normal everyday tasks. Uh, how he gets out of bed. He's not gonna, Rube Goldberg's not gonna use an alarm clock. That's too easy. So he creates an elaborate contraption that, you know, in the end dumps water on his head and that's what he gets out of bed. How he gets dressed, how he makes his breakfast, how he gets to school, all the way through the day and at the end when he tucks himself. And that book is fantastic. Uh, I did, well, I, I didn't write it, which, which makes it fantastic. But I did, I think 90 or so illustrations for it. Wow. Quarter page, full page, uh, half page, and there's one two page spread, which is, which really killed me. Uh, that comes out in fall, and that's just fantastic. When people read this book, it's it's so, it sounds biased because I work for it, you know. But I was reading it, and I guess I, I don't want to give too much away, but I can tell you this. Uh, like I said earlier, Rube Goldberg was a cartoonist. He was a very well known, very famous cartoonist. You know, back in you know starting in the early 1920s and he had a number of comic strips the machines are probably the most well-known foolish questions but he also had a character named boob mcnutt which uh funny that well okay that meant something different in 1920 but he also had ike and mike they look alike uh Lollapalooza, professor butts all these funny names and for these this new series of books all these characters come back but i got to redesign them. So I'm not, I'm not aping Rue, but I'm taking these characters and bringing them uh, into the modern world. And when I was thinking about the name Boob McNutt, you know, I grew up in a family of teachers. Uh, I, so I, I kind of know how teachers are wired. And I'm, I saw that and I went, that's a red flag. They're not going to go for that. But I was reading the manuscript last summer and in the middle of the first chapter, it tackles that silly name. And instantly I went, oh, okay, this is good. This is well thought out and this is great. I hope my author doesn't hear this because he's gonna, you know, blush. Your, author, come over your and... author's gonna hear this. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's gonna tease me for it. But uh, yeah, so the book is great. It's very, it deals with, uh, it deals with bullying. It deals with uh, 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 social issues with sixth graders, anxiety. But it's also fun because it's involving a kid who likes to build machines. So that's that's the basis. So schooling is important. I do. I would say to young people, go, go to some sort of art school. I would say you don't need to go to the fanciest one, you know, because when you're working in art, no one cares where you went to school. No one ever asks. So it's not uh, like Yale or Harvard or Stanford or. I've never yeah. heard of any of those. Right. Yeah. 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 It's uh, I've never been asked for a resume. I've never been asked for my GPA. Funny. Uh, it was only in 2019 where I finally graduated from college. I left school in two or 1995 because I got a job drawing. I, I was I, I was OK. I'm, I can continue making money doing this or I can go back to school and finish up my general studies courses that I put off. And so I left. So I decided, I think it was 2018 or 2019, I decided to finish up my degree. I was one semester shy, you know, or it was like 12 credits or something like that. So I did an independent study and now I'm a college graduate. And it's funny because I got the piece of paper up somewhere and 
it's you know it's just to have it my right. my grandmother died with uh one grand grandkid who didn't graduate college so it's kind of that sort of thing i was like i'll just do it hanging over my head but having a college degree will not make or break your career as an artist Well, the work I do in advertising, I think, uh, you know, to explain to an audience who's generally probably not, you know, uh, maybe not doing what I do. Uh, uh, I had never heard, I had no idea what an advertising uh, illustrator was. I had no idea what, how to define commercial illustration, but uh, I was, I was really good at uh, joining art groups. And this leads to the advertising, trust me. So I, uh, in the late uh, 90s, I, I joined a, an organization called the National Caricaturist Network. And it's a, it's a it was national, now it's international, uh, group of people that draw caricatures. And I was making a living at it and training, doing that. And uh, so I met people there and at conventions, you'd meet guest speakers. And, you know, I, I was very good at that stuff. Uh, it was at one of these conventions where I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Santa Barbara and uh, we was talking about work and I was, you know, whatever I was doing. And he was, he said, oh man, you could, you should, you should do advertising. I went, I don't even know what that means. You know, back in the sixties and seventies, when uh, uh, every time magazine cover had a, uh, a Jack Davis illustration on the cover or, you know, uh, uh, different artists doing their thing for, that wasn't happening anymore. It was all photos. And he went, well, I don't know what you mean. So he explained it to me. He said, well, there's a lot of options. There's storyboards, which I had never heard of. This is at the beginning of DVDs when you could watch, see the storyboards play out. And I went, oh, that I've seen that. Uh, you can do comps. You can do sketch work, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he gave me the advice. He said, go home, record a commercial on your VHS and do a, do a storyboard of it do, do do two of those each one will have you know 20 frames and here's what they look like and this and that here's the, the level of detail so i did went and did that uh if anyone remembers pausing on a vhs tape you, you can kind of guess how how uh, obnoxious yeah how obnoxious this was so i did that I, I recorded uh funny two funny commercials and i did a scene from a, uh, the exorcist or something like that and i boarded them out as best i could on probably typing paper with whatever tools I had and I scanned them with my scanner because that was fancy at the time and I put them online and within a couple of days I got a call from uh, an agent that I still have who's a, a, a advertising uh, illustration agent just luck of the draw she happened to be surfing around looking for someone to uh, for this job that whoever was doing it fell through or something This show is called Passion to Power, and it's about finding, first of all, your passion, finding your love, your purpose, uh, and then, you know, how do you get to the, the power is the connecting of the dots, right? You first have to feel empowered. You mentioned mentors, you mentioned training, you mentioned what you didn't get in training and real life experience. Who were those mentors and why were they important to you? <sighs> well, <clears throat> I've got a couple. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying any artist who says they're self-taught is either lying to themselves or is, 
you know, is full of it because that's just not true. Uh, mentors can be either people that you've worked with directly or, you know, I have behind me, I have art books and I've got uh, cartoon, uh, Rockwell, uh, James Montgomery Flagg, uh, uh, um, Marvel stuff, DC stuff, Hirschfeld, uh, Vargas, uh, stuff that, you know, I don't, don't do that, but, oh man, okay, I could look at a Lion Decker painting from the 20th or from the Saturday Evening Post and in some sense, you know, I consider that this, this has a very huge impact on me. Um, but my mentors, uh, you want by name? Sure. Or why? Okay, well, uh, first first uh, uh, real paying job I ever got was in college. I went to go draw caricatures at the theme park. And that was in Mi Minneapolis. And uh, the guy who hired me, who owned the, these uh, uh, retail uh, retail stands, is what they are, where they, they, we lease out the space. Uh, the guy who who owned this that, that was his business and that's how and he's when he was trying to become an illustrator uh, like but use this summer job to build up the, the money to to work during the off season which is exactly what i did for a long time uh that guy his name is tom richmond uh cartoonists who are listening to this or watching this know who that is uh he's the he's now the main movie parody guy in mad magazine or at least until you know mad kind of shut down last year but uh he's a fantastic illustrator and uh taught me uh didn't teach me what caricature was but taught me a way but was very good at pointing out things that i was not doing correctly which is a great way to, to teach people keep doing that this is great but when you do this you do this and here's a thing that you do every time for example i don't know um he was very good at uh, helping me, helping to shape my, not just my artistic sense, but also my, he's a fantastic businessman. So, and has multiple businesses. Now he's, you know, just pretty much does uh, illustration at, at home. But uh, I, I had him, he's still, he's one of my best friends to this day. Uh, I also had a, a guy at a theme park who did kind of the same story, just a, a caricature artist who was working in the summer to make money while building up an illustration career. The guy whose name is Gary Fossen. Uh, I, uh, another one, just people I looked up to. Uh, I looked up to because A, they were great at what they did. I guess that's first and foremost, but B, they were good people. You know, to the best of my knowledge, neither of these guys go robbing banks on the weekends. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, but they also had the business chops. They, you know, they knew how to schedule. They knew how to how to get things done. How to uh, how how to manage your career. It's the reason I've got the, I have a huge dry erase board behind me. Sorry for the people listening, but it's a it's a dry erase board that has all my stuff. It's got my week on it. I know what needs to get done. I know what priority is. I know what's kind of on the back burner, and I'm very good at that stuff too. Um, other than that, I've had a lot. Since I moved to New York, I've met, like I said, I've met a lot of artists out here. I met a lot of uh, a lot of old timey comic book artists, cartoonists. They all they're all out in Long Island, and or in the city. Uh, but I I got to meet all these people, and I'm friends with them. Yesterday, just yesterday, with this uh, documentary that was filming, uh, I brought the, I'm good friends with uh, Al Jaffe, who Al Jaffe is people who know me know uh he did the fold in in the back of mad magazine uh for he holds the guinness book of world record for the longest career as a working cartoonist 
uh, Al Jaffe is 100 years old. And uh, you know he's not drawing anymore. He hung up his pen about a year and a half ago. But you know he's just over there. And whenever I talk to Al, he's just a wealth of information, great stories, uh, encouragement, and is very you know loves to look at my work and say, oh, this is great, you know. Uh, so I also consider people that I admire and look up to, and there are many. I consider them. Sp- mentors as well because I have a lot of people who I can bounce things off of if I'm in the middle of a job that's starting to, to get up to, to wear me down I can easily pick up the phone and call a number of people and just run it past them and I can't think of a single one who would say you know you need to figure this out on your own I'm busy because that's just not what people in this line of work do it probably has a lot to do with we all we're all solitary we all just you know hunker down in our little cubby holes drawing. So when people see people, you know, or talk to people, they just kind of like me right now, you know, it's people shut up. (laughs) Another human. A lot lot of that. So I guess, yeah. More hunkering than than even in your past, right? A lot of hungering and isolation. Yeah. Yeah, isolation. But even before that, I mean the jokes aside, it's you could have I have a number of people I can call up who will absolutely, uh, if I need to be walked off a ledge, I can be walked off a ledge. This is fun, Michelle. Thank you so much for doing this. It's an absolute pleasure.